Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www.thegrovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. We're going to examine the 27th Psalm. Psalm number 27, uh, which gives a basis for the song we just heard. Uh, Psalm 27. I'm going to read the psalm in its entirety. It's 14 verses, and I want to read the entire psalm. If you have your device or your Bible handy, I would encourage you to uh, read along with me. If you can have both open at the same time, that'd be great, because in the sermon we're going to go through the psalm again. And so it would help you to see it even as you hear it uh, in the word of God on today. Uh, Psalm 27 from the New Living Translation. And I'll be using the New Living Translation as well as the King James Version uh, throughout our time together this morning. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me. When my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating In his temple. Verse 5 says, For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord, be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my mother and father abandon me now, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath, they threaten me with violence. Yet, I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness While I am here in the land of the living, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Amen. Amen. I want to talk for a few minutes from the thought, conflicted worship. Conflicted worship. David, King David, the author of this psalm, is undoubtedly a worshiper. 
David loved God. David honored God. David revered God. David was in awe of God. Uh, David found his encouragement in God. David, for the most part, like you and I, obeyed God. David, David had allegiance to God. He was faithful to God. He, 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 he demonstrated worship according to the definition of my friend, the late Elder Vernon Williams, who defined worship as love responding to love. It's the love of God toward us. And then we respond to his love in worship by loving him. And remember the words of Jesus who said to us, if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. Worship is love responding to love. It's revering God, fearing God, being in awe of God, obeying God. But another way to demonstrate worship, y'all, is to trust God. When we trust God, we're worshiping. When we're relying on God, we're worshiping. When we're steadfast, unmovable, abounding in the work of, uh, of the Lord, knowing that what we do for him is not in vain, uh, we're, we're worshiping God. Trust is a way to express your worship unto God. And in our text today, the 27th Psalm, authored by King David, we hear just how much David is trusting God. David has uh, an unwavering trust in God. So even in this, we see his worship. I want to run through this psalm so you can see just how certain and assured David is uh, in God and how God will help him. Look at verse 1. I'm going to read from the King James Version, several verses here in 20, Psalm 27. Uh, David shows us just how assured and certain he is that God will help him and see about him. Verse 1, David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David knows he can find refuge in the Lord. When David is attacked, David says with certainty, I shall not be afraid. Who, who, who shall I fear? Who in whom shall I be afraid? Look at verse number two. In verse two, David says, when the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. He's, when he's talking about his enemies, he's not talking about Israel's national enemies. David is talking about his personal enemies. So David is not talking about our enemies. David is talking about his enemies. Then in verse 3, verse 3, with that same assurance, with that same confidence and certainty and security, David says, though in host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me in this, will I be confident? David, David is demonstrating once again, y'all, such assurance, such certainty, such security. David is, is demonstrating mental toughness, mental toughness that all of us need when our enemies are attacking us. All of us need to be mentally tough, understanding that we have a God who's on our side. And if God be for you, uh, who can stand against you and win? Look at verse number five. David is still talking as a mentally tough, secure, certain, assured worshiper of God. Verse five, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle, I'll tell you what God's going to do for me. Uh, shall he hide me? He shall set me up upon a rock. And then in verse six, and now shall mine head be lifted up above my enemies round about me therefore I tell you what I'm going to do I'm going to offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy I will sing yea I will sing praises 
unto the Lord. David says, David says, when I'm in trouble, it won't stop my praise. When I'm in trouble, it won't stop me from being in the house of God, in the presence of God. In fact, I'll yet praise him. And that word praise, David renders there in that verse, is the word zalmar. Zalmar means, it, it speaks of the striking with fingers. It could mean the clapping of his hands or he's playing an instrument with his hands as he sings and praises God. David says, even when I'm being attacked, I'll still play my instrument. I'll still clap my hands. I'll still express my adoration and my trust in God. Look at verse number 10. David is still. David is talking sanctified trash. David is assured of what God will do for him when he is facing adversity. Verse 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, and he's being, most scholars believe that David is simply speaking proverbially here, that, he's, that he may not have had any real issues with his parents, but David is saying uh, to the extreme, let's, let's be extreme. Let's suppose my, my father and my mother forsake me. I'll tell you what God is going to do for me. David says, then the Lord will take me up. Then verse 13, David says he, he'd been stretched past his limit. He'd been on the verge of giving up. But look what he says in verse 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, I knew even when my times were the hardest and my, my, my days were the darkest, I knew what God was going to do for me and my hope in what God would do for me kept me going. David has such assurance, such such certainty and security in God. But look at that 14th verse, y'all. Verse 14, David encourages whoever would hear him sing, or he may be encouraging himself throughout this entire psalm to include here in verse 14. David says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. And then he tells us what God shall do. He shall strengthen thine heart. Not he might not uh, he, he may possibly, David says, with such certainty, with great assurance, he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Did you hear how certain David was? Did you hear how assured David was, how secure he was in God? Not because of his uh, great military experience or any, any type of position or influence or wealth that he had. He was secure because of his relationship with God. He sounds as though he has no doubt the Lord will handle his battles, defeat his enemies, and come to his rescue. David, David sounds as though he's unwavering in his faith in God and in his worship. Uh, he, he, he would be a great leader to follow. We want to follow confident leaders. We want to follow leaders who, who just have an idea or have a belief that things are going to work out. Things are going to get better or even better than that, y'all. We want to follow leaders who are certain we're going to win. We're going to win. We're coming out of this with the victory. Let me pause right here and, and encourage everybody. I believe we're going to win. I believe God is going to release a revelation of a cure for this virus, for this COVID-19. I believe we are going to win. And David sounds like he will be a great leader to follow. In fact, David sounds, he sounds like the kind of person you would want to be quarantined with. A positive person, a person who has faith in God, who has unwavering trust in God. 
But if we read some of these other verses in this same psalm, if we read some of these, as we read some of these other verses in this same song from this same author, it, it could make us scratch our heads. Uh, it, it would have a whole different tone. He doesn't sound as certain and assured in some of these other verses. In this same psalm, Psalm 27, look at verse number 7. Verse 7, David says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. He doesn't sound as certain. He's not, he's not weak, but he doesn't say, uh, when, I, uh, when, when I cry with my voice, God shall have mercy on me and he shall answer me. Now he's not making a declaration. Now he's making a request. But keep reading. Look at verse 8. When thou said, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. And then look at verse number 9. Verse 9, David says, Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. That doesn't sound so certain, does it? That doesn't sound so assured. That doesn't sound so confident. And he's not making the same type of declarations that he's made in other parts of the psalm. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. And then look at the, verse, the rest of verse 9. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not. Neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. David doesn't sound like he did at the beginning of the psalm. David doesn't say, and God shall not hide his face far from me, nor will he put his servant away in anger, for he has been my help. He will never leave me nor forsake me. No, David, David isn't declaring this. David is asking. Is David is begging. David, David is imploring of the Lord. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me. God, don't leave me. Don't leave me now. Not, not now when so many people have risen up against me. Don't, don't leave me now when, when they've cut my hours from my job. Don't, don't leave me now when I don't know where my next check is coming from. Don't, don't leave me now when they say we may not get this stimulus check for a couple of months or maybe not until the end of the year. Don't, don't leave me now when the food is running out and these kids are home from school eating me out of house and home when, when they've eaten up everything in the pantry, when, when they've eaten the pantry, when they've eaten everything in the refrigerator, when I caught them eating the refrigerator. He, he, David is saying, don't leave me now. Don't, don't leave me now. Don't, don't leave me now. Don't, don't leave me now. Where, where is all of that certainty that David had when he talked about his enemy shall fall and he, who, whom, whom shall I fear and in whom shall I be afraid and, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Why, why is there a different tone in verse 9 than there were in other, in other verses and then, and then watch this, we see another degree of certainty in verse 12. Look at verse 12. David says in verse 12, deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies. Wait a minute. You talked about how God will hide you a moment ago. You talked about how God will call your enemies to stumble and fall a moment ago. How is it in the same breath, in the same song, in the same season, from the same person, from the same worshiper, we can get this conflicted worship. How is it that on one, in one instance, you're, you're certain of what God is going to do for you. But in another instant or in another moment, you, you're not so sure as you were a moment ago. How, how is it that you can have conflicted worship? David, David is not as declarative as he was. Maybe, may, maybe he's, 
Maybe he's certain with, with certain enemies he was talking about before where, uh, that you, you know, you, you're sure of what God can do for little Rudy Poot enemies who, who all they're going to do is talk. All, all they're going to do is talk trash. But, but then it's a whole different circumstance when enemies are threatening to shoot you and kill you and do you physical harm. And you know they will do it because they've killed other people. Uh, may, may, maybe David is thinking of other enemies when David is asking, don't, don't deliver me unto these enemies. Maybe David is saying, I, I know God can handle people who all they're going to do is talk. But, but these folks who, who are bigger than me and have larger weapons, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe David is saying, I, I know what God can do for a common cold. That's, that's nothing for God. But, but this COVID-19 is a beast of a whole different nature. Maybe, maybe David is saying, maybe David is saying, you know, um, it's easy. Maybe it's another way to look at it. Maybe David is saying it's easy to trust God when you're in verse one to verse six of your situation. But when you've been in it for a while and you're in verse seven and then verse eight. And then the verse nine of your situation, your faith can wane. Your, 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 uh, your assurance of God can be at a whole different level. Uh, maybe, maybe after you've been in that thing for a while, when you walked into it declaring and decreeing what God was going to do for you, maybe now you're, you're, you're hoping God will do what you know he's able to do for you. It can be a conflict in your worship, a, a conflict of faith, a conflict. In, and I'm just wondering if, if you have ever been conflicted, if you have ever been conflicted where, where you believe, but you kind of wondered, you, you declared and decreed, but then you kind of hoped you, 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 you had confliction uh, in, in your worship. Have you ever been certain and confident of what God would do and yet questioning the same God when it came to other things? And, and I'll be honest with you. I'll, I'll be honest. I ain't going to lie. I, I know what it's like to be conflicted. I, I know, I know what it's like to be conflicted. I, 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 while I know God is omnipresent, I know God has promised he'd never leave me nor forsake me. I've had moments as a pastor, as a pastor where I've asked God, don't leave me. Don't leave me. Don't leave me now. I'm, I'm not one to send God to the hospitals. I'm, I'm not one to send God to the nursing homes. I, I believe God is already in the hospitals. I believe God is already in the nursing homes. So I'm not one to send God. Uh, I'm not one to, to have God tote himself over to hospitals and nursing homes. But uh, I, I've been in a hospital myself. Or I've been in uh, or I've had medical procedures. And I've asked God just before they put me under, be with me, Lord. Be with me, Lord. Uh, does that mean I don't trust God? No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that I don't trust God. It means that that sometimes it could be a conflict. Sometimes uh, maybe I don't trust him uh, like I should. Maybe maybe I, I'm not as assured as I would when things seem to be normal or things that I that I'm accustomed to God dealing with there. And then there, if the truth is told, y'all, there are many believers who deal with conflicted worship when it comes to stuff like 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 being certain in previous battles that God would handle your haters while on the other hand questioning if he's going to handle the haters you're facing now yeah and there are, there are believers who can who can be certain on one hand that God hears and answers prayer while on the other hand not as certain if he's going to answer the prayer that you're praying now uh, I wouldn't be surprised if all of us every now and then have, 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 are, are dealing with conflicted worship 
Sometimes it can manifest where, where you're certain on the one hand that God is merciful, while on the other hand, you're hoping he'll shower you with mercy in your current situation. And there are some people, some people, y'all, who can declare and decree what God will do for others. But when they pray for themselves, they're not as certain. Do you know some people like that? It's so easy for them to have a word for somebody else, to pray and intercede for someone else, to declare and decree what God is going to do for someone else. But then when it comes to what God will do for them, they're, they're not so certain. Um, maybe David shows us, maybe David shows us how, how, how we are to handle conflicted worship and, and some saints, I'll, I'll acknowledge some saints can relate to this uh, while some others cannot. Yeah, I know, I know some of y'all, your faith is always on 10. Uh, your worship is always, is always tight and right. But some of us would probably be really surprised as to how many saints are really conflicted from time to time in their worship. The whole time some preachers are preaching, they're really conflicted. The whole time some worship leaders are worshiping, they're really conflicted while their hands are up and lifted high. The whole time some Sunday school teachers are teaching, some small group leaders are leading their small groups and deacons are deaconing and trustees are trusteeing. Sometimes they're serving the Lord confident with some aspects of their faith while not so strong in others. And do you know why it may be easier for David to be certain that God will fight his enemies sometimes. Uh, maybe, maybe it's because, you know, you can, you can see when God is handling your haters. You can see when God has called the, caused them to stumble and fall. You, you can see when he has literally uh, spread a table before you in the presence of your enemies. You, you can see when your enemies have been transferred to another state and it's not so easy for them to harass you as it was before. They're, or they're transferred to another department or, or another building on the base. Yeah. Or, or sometimes when you see that the that the supervisor who was harassing you now God has shown you so much favor over a period of time that you've become their supervisor. So it's easy sometimes to see how God can handle some situations. But when David cried out for God to not turn his back on him and not leave him or forsake him. Now we're talking about our invisible sovereign God. The one that we can't see. The one that we can't always feel. Are y'all with me today? Sometimes you, you cannot see if God has shown you mercy. Sometimes you cannot see him or, or feel him. And sometimes if the truth is told, sometimes y'all, sometimes we, we can't hear God like we need to hear him. So does, so does, how does God respond to conflicted worship? Does, does he respond? Does he, does he receive conflicted worship? My argument is God receives conflicted worship. For to worship God in spirit and in truth means that I worship God with all that I am. From head to toe, I worship God in all that I am. Uh, I worship him in, 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 in how I worship him. It's in the spirit in which I worship him. So that means in any context, I worship him. I don't have to come to a building to worship him. My, my worship is not confined to a building. My worship is not confined to a day. I don't have to only, I, I can worship God beyond Sunday. I can worship God outside the four walls of any sanctuary. How I handle my 
my anger is an expression of worship. Uh, what, what, I, what I share on social media is an expression of my worship. How I respond to authority is an expression of my worship. How husbands love their wives and wives love their husbands and how parents treat their children and how children respond to their parents. All of that are expressions of worship. To worship him in spirit means it's, it's in how I do it, where I do it, from my spirit, from my being. To worship him in truth means I don't front with God. I don't fake with God. I, I don't play with God. I don't, I don't have to act a certain way with God. I am who I am. I is who I is. I believe what I believe. I struggle with, with, with that which I struggle. I don't have to fake with God. I can't hide anything from God. I worship him in truth. So if I'm struggling with some convictions, if I'm struggling to believe some stuff, ain't no point in hiding it from God. I can worship God even as I struggle. But I want to ask also this question. Uh, when it comes to conflicted worship, let's, let's suppose God does receive conflicted worship. But does one who has conflicted worship, uh, are, are they guilty of, of what James calls uh, being double-minded? Remember in James chapter 1, James chapter 1 verses 6 through 8. After James has told us to ask God for wisdom if we need it, James told us, but don't ask uh, with doubt unbelieving. For a double-minded person can't, shouldn't re expect to receive anything from the Lord. If I'm conflicted in my worship, does that mean I'm double-minded? Does that mean I'm double-minded? David is not double-minded in our text today. A double-minded person is one who may trust God one minute and then totally doubts him the next. David is not like that. David has a declarative faith one moment and then enough faith to make requests of God the next. It is still faith. It, is, it, it simply appears to move from one degree of certainty to another degree of certainty. The conflicted worshiper may have a similar experience going from one degree of certainty where one can make a declaration to another degree where there's no declaration, but there's still a request to the God who's able to do the impossible. So the conflicted worshiper says one minute, there's no doubt as to what God is going to do. The next minute, I hope the Lord will do what I need him to do. It begs the question, are you sure or no? And the answer is yes, not either or, but both and. It may also remind us, y'all, it may also remind us of the man who said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. In Mark chapter 9, verse 24, the man uh, whose son needed help from Jesus, he, 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 he was truthful with Jesus. He was transparent with Jesus. I do believe, but I need to grow in my faith. I need to grow to where I'm just as certain with this situation as I am with others. So the man's plea when he said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. It was a plea to help him get stronger in his faith. Help me mature in mountain moving faith. Help me become so full of faith. I'm making declarations from my heart regardless of the struggle, regardless of the duration of the drama, and regardless of the size of my enemy. The conflicted worshiper is not faithless. The conflicted worshiper can move along the faith spectrum from one degree of absolute assurance of what God shall do to hopes of what he may do based on assurance of what he's able to do. 
So yes, yes, the man asks, uh, help me in my unbelief. So we must, we, what we've got to do, y'all, is deal with our conflicted worship and grow in our faith, in our trust in God. For when we trust God, it is an expression of our worship unto God. It is an expression of just how, how much, how we see God and how we honor God and how we revere God and, and, and are, are in awe of him. So I want to challenge everybody who may be in the same category as me, who sometimes has conflicted worship, to come to a place where you are convicted in your worship. So convicted Convicted in what God will do. So convicted in what God shall do on your behalf. Where there's no question in your mind. No doubt whatsoever in your spirit. As to what God shall do on your behalf. I hope I don't turn you off when I admit I got some growing to do in my worship. I've got some growing to do in my faith. Is anybody with me today? And my question is, how do we mature? How do we mature so that our certainty about God outweighs our uncertainty? How can we grow in our worship so that the things we're certain about are in far greater measure than the things we're not as certain about? David said he would seek the Lord. In verse 7, David, David, verses 7 through 9, David says, I'm, I'm going to seek the Lord. And that's what I propose we do today. I propose we seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Look at verses 7 through 9 in the New Living Translation this time. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God, of my salvation. Listening to what David says uh, ought remind us of what, what the word of God tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. Deuteronomy 4 and 29 says, but from there you will search again for the Lord your God. And if you search for him with all your heart and soul, you will find him. David says, God, I, I realize that sometimes I can sound like there's not a sliver, not even a, 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 a minuscule amount of doubt in my mind. But then there are some other times where I wonder, I'm not as certain as I have been. So Lord, I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you. David says, I'm, I'm going to seek the Lord. And that's what I encourage all of us to do. I'm, I'm going to seek the Lord. And I want you to understand this. Understand that this is something David really, really wanted to do. That this wouldn't just be uh, the response to a crisis. David, David really, really wanted to seek the Lord. You can see this in verse number four. Psalm 27, verse four. I hope you have your Bible or your app open. Look at Psalm 27, verse four. David says, one thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after. When David says, David, David says, he says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That word desire, that word desire is David says, I'm going to desire it so bad. I'll I'll almost be at the point of demanding it. I want it so bad. I will almost be at the point of begging for it. I want it so bad as if as if it's something I'm begging God for that word seek that word seek David says uh, I'm going to investigate I'm I'm going after God I'm I'm really going to pursue a better understanding of who God is so that I can I can be transformed from being conflicted in my worship to being convicted 
perfected in my worship. What David is saying is, I'm, I'm going to seek the Lord uh, with, with such intimacy and such intensity. I'm going to seek God as if I have a seeking virus. I wonder who wouldn't mind having a seeking virus where you just seek God with everything that you have. Well, you may be wondering, Pastor Clark, how do I do that? How, how, how do I, if I deal, as I deal with conflicted worship, how, how can I seek God like David did? Good question. I'm glad you asked. A couple of things real quick. We're going to raise up. Number one, as we seek God, talk to God. That's simple, ain't it? As we seek God, talk to God. The first thing I want you to notice here throughout this entire psalm is how David shifts from talking about God to talking to God. In verses 1 through 6, David talks about God. But in verses 7 through 9, David talks to God. Come on, do the Hollywood shuffle through this thing, the biker shuffle through this thing one more time. Watch this in verses 1 through 6. The Lord is my light and my salvation. David talks about God. The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger. Verse 2, when evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Uh, though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Verse 4, the, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life delighting in the Lord's perfections meditating in his temple verse 5 he's talking about God for he will conceal me there when time when troubles come he will hide me in his sanctuary he will place me out of reach on a high rock uh, and then verse 6 uh, then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me at his sanctuary I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy singing and praising the Lord uh, uh, at, at his with, with music but then verses 7 through 9 they David shifts from talking about God to talking to God. Watch this in verse number seven. Verse seven says, hear me as I pray, O Lord, be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Verse nine, he's still talking to God. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Then he talks about God. Uh, even if my father uh, and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Then he talks to God again in verse 11. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath, every breath they threaten me with violence. David transitions. He shifts from talking about God to talking to God. And I want to encourage you, if you're conflicted, in your worship to seek the Lord by shifting from talking about God to talking to God is anybody praying with me today and this is similar to what David did in the 20 David did in the 23rd Psalm another Psalm that he's authored the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me in the path of righteousness but then in verse 4 David shifts from talking about God to talking to God yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for thou art with me thy rod and thy staff they comfort me David shifts from talking about God to talking to God and I'm not against praise because when we say wonderful things about God, that's praise. And praise is good because God inhabits the praises of his people. But I would encourage you to do more than praise. You've got to talk. 
to God in prayer because prayer, prayer can move mountains. The righteous effectual, the, uh, the fervent effectual prayers of the righteous avails much. Talk about God all you want, all you please, but I want to encourage you to seek God by talking to God. And when you talk to him, you ain't got to hold nothing back. When you talk to him, you ain't got to, you don't have to lie. You don't have to say stuff that you really don't believe. You can talk to God about your struggles. You can talk to God about your hangups. You can talk to God about what's really going on in your mind, what's really going on in your heart. Talk to God. Don't just talk about God. Talk to God because praise and prayer together can help combat anxiety and faithlessness. Praise him for who he is and what he's done and talk to him about the amazing things you're yet needing him to do for you right here and right now. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would encourage you to do. Praise him, but yet at the same time, talk to God. Secondly, secondly, in your seeking, in your seeking, I would encourage you to seek God knowing he wants to be close to you. Seek God fully assured God desires, God wants to be close to you. Look at verse number nine. Verse nine, David seems to, David seems to have some concerns with, with how, with whether or not God wants to be close to him. Verse nine, hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not. Neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Let me encourage you, first of all, to be honest. Again, I can't I can stress this enough. Be honest with God in your prayer. But I want you to be assured that God wants to be close to you. God does not want to hide from you. God promised he would not hide from you. God promised he would not leave you nor forsake you. God, listen, David begged God not to hide from him, not to put him away, not to leave him nor forsake him and I pray that it's settled in your spirit that he will do none of those things because watch this in verse number eight David acknowledged watch this y'all that God invited David to seek him God will not invite you to seek him and then run away from you God will not invite you to seek him and then leave you and forsake you look at verse 8 David says when thou saidst to me seek my seek ye my face my heart responded to what you said I then your face Lord will I seek God will not invite you to seek him and then hide from you, put you away, leave you, forsake you. God does, not, God does not invite us to a game of hide and seek. God, listen, he invites us to a life of intimate fellowship, intimate communion. That's the God we serve. God wants to be close to you. God wants to have fellowship with you. God desires to have communion with you. So he does not hide from us. Although, if we're honest, sometimes it can seem as if God... God plays hide and seek. Sometimes it can seem as if you, you can't find him. You can't feel him. Sometimes you can't hear him. You call, you cry out for direction only to hear crickets in response. I get it, y'all. I get it. I'm telling you, I get it. That sometimes it can seem as if God is playing hide and seek. But I want to tell you, it only seems that way. God is not about playing games. God is not. Listen, God is about God is about blessing your life, opening doors. No man can shut closing doors. No man can open. You ask him to open doors. And sometimes it seems as if doors start closing. It can seem like he's playing hide and seek. But the devil is a liar. God does not hide from us. In Psalm 22 
2 and 4 it says for he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy he has not turned his back on them but has listened to their cries for help Psalm 94 14 the Lord will not reject his people he will not abandon his special possession God will not hide from you God will not abandon you God will not forsake you or leave you Psalm 143 verse 7 the psalmist cries out come quickly Lord and answer me for my depression deepens don't turn away from me or I will die Jesus, Jesus has assured us of just how God wants fellowship with us. Jesus even invited us to intimate fellowship with himself. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, Jesus invites us when he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That y'all is is an invitation to discipleship it is an invitation to relationship with Jesus it is in it is an invitation from Jesus himself for all of us who would follow him to abandon a uh, meaningless rituals meaningless traditions and to follow him for a meaningful life of relationship with the Lord God Almighty and then the resurrected Jesus uh, offers this invitation in Revelation 3 and 20 Jesus said, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Jesus desires fellowship. Jesus desires communion. And that's why James tells us in James chapter 4 verse 8, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God. God and the world. God wants us to be close to him. God wants us to be intimate in fellowship with him. And I know sometimes it can be it can be kind of difficult. Sometimes it may seem as if God is playing hide and seek. God isn't playing hide and seek with you. God is kind of like that parent with that toddler who, who's learning how to walk. Many, many of you as parents, may, you, you may remember when you were teaching your child to walk, you had your baby and, and you were telling your baby to come to you and you, you had them standing up and they're, they're, stand, they're barely standing and, and, and you backed up from them and as they were walking towards you, you were backing up so that they would continue to walk towards you. You weren't backing up to back away from them. You were backing up so that they could get better at walking and become more sure that they could walk and that they could walk and one day fall and one moment fall into your waiting arms that's the same way God does us God God extends his hands toward us as we walk through valleys as we walk through pandemics as we walk through economic hurdles as we walk through marital difficulties as we as we walk through sickness and disease God always has his hands out toward us challenging us to come closer to him and in so doing he comes closer to us seek God y'all seek God if you're conflicted in your worship seek God by talking to God seek God knowing he wants to be close to you and the third thing I would tell you is to seek God by praising God for his track record praise God for his track record I'm in verse number nine again y'all David says hide not thy face far from me put not thy servant away in anger here it is thou hast been my help 
Thou has been my help. David says, God, you have helped me, and I know what you're able to do. Sometimes I'm certain that you're going to do it. Sometimes I know what you're able to do, and I hope that you will do it. I'm, I'm, sometimes I'm just sort of conflicted. David was certain of what God was able to do because he had seen God do it before. God had helped David with lions and bears. God helped David with Goliath. God helped David with King Saul. God helped David with the Philistines and now as David has written this 27th Psalm God may be helping keep David alive as he may be running from his own son Absalom but David has seen God over and over time and time again battle after battle to come through and help David the reason why David kept winning time after time was because when David needed the Lord God showed up and helped him so David's current confidence in God is based on his previous experience with God. I'm going to say that one more time. David's current confidence in God is based on his previous experience with God. David was like, God, you've helped me so many times. And if you've helped me before, you can help me again. And I want to encourage anybody who can testify that God has helped you before. Time and time again, declare, I know that you're able to help me even in the situation I'm in now does God have a track record with you does God have a track record of coming through for you helping you to win time and time again are you able to testify that when you were sick and could not get well God stepped in and helped you are you able to testify that when the test came back negative and the doctors didn't know what to do God stepped in and helped you that time uh, is there anybody here who can testify whether you're streaming online or whatever can you testify that when they gave you six months to live 20 years ago God stepped in and showed you what he is able to do I was texting my goddaughter a couple of days ago asking how, how she and, and her daughter were doing up, uh, up in Ohio. And she said, uh, we're doing fine. Everything is fine. Um, she said, I, I, had, I had a bad cough for two weeks and body aches and, and, and I had lost my appetite for two weeks back in January. And she said, uh, I'm looking back at that now. I may have had COVID-19 back in January. She may have. She may. Wouldn't that be something if she had COVID-19? for two weeks back in January and didn't even know how God was helping her then and I wouldn't be surprised if somebody who's watching me right now can look back over your life of a time when your life now you look back at it and now you realize just how much danger you were in now that you look back in hindsight you realize just how much danger you was in and if it had not been for the Lord on your side you would not have made it isn't it good that God can see you through danger seen and unseen? And I just want to know if God has done it for you before. Can you praise him like he's done it for you before? Can you praise him as if he's going to do it again? Can you praise him as if it was the Lord who came to see about you? Don't you give anyone the glory but God himself. Don't you give, thank God for the EMTs, but don't you give them the glory. God gets the glory. Thank God for the nurses and, and the doctors and, and the surgeons and everyone who, who, who checked on you. Thank God for the one who moved into your house to take care of you. Thank God for them. But listen, if it had not been for the Lord on your side, if God has a track record with you, 
Don't you forget about it now. Don't you push that to the side now. Now is the time for your mind to go back of all the times God has helped you, all the times he's come through for you, all the ways he's made, all the doors he's opened, all the miracles he's released for you. Don't you act like you got amnesia now. Not in the midst of this pandemic. Not when your money is strange, when your money is funny and your change is strange now. Not, not now, now. This is time for you to remember, God, you've been so good to me. You have always been my help. And if you've done it for me before, you can do it for me again. Is anybody praying with me today? David says he's the God of his salvation. He says you're the God of my salvation. Salvation in the Old Testament context simply meant that God would get you out of trouble. Salvation in the New Testament is the same thing. God gets you out of trouble, but he gets you out of trouble with sin. He's the God of our salvation. And I don't know about you, but when I look back over my life and just how much trouble I was in when I was in sin and how God brought me out. Listen, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through his son, Christ Jesus. And if God can get you out of sin, God can get you out of anything. If God can deliver you out of darkness, God is able to deliver you out of anything. If your life has been transformed, if your mind has been renewed, and your life transformed, if you have become a new creation where all things have passed away and all things have become new, if God is able to work that miracle in your life, God is able to do anything for you and if I were you I would praise him for the mighty works that he's already demonstrated one more thing and I'm done one more thing and I'm finished one more thing and we gonna raise up I want to encourage you to seek the Lord seek the Lord and finally David David asked God for some life lessons that's how we seek God y'all we seek God in seeking him and asking him for life lessons life lessons in verse number 11 David says teach me how to live O Lord teach me how to live teach me how to live oh I would encourage every worshiper to pray that prayer to seek God with great intensity Lord teach me how to live teach me how to live listen especially if you're 15 16 17 Lord teach me how to live if you've never been on your own before and you've never had to come up with your own rent your own mortgage your own car payment your own car insurance payment uh, put food on your own table in your own refrigerator in your own pantry in your own freezer I would encourage you Lord teach me how to live if you're just getting started living this adult life and you're just getting your feet wet in this adulting world, I would encourage you. I know you're grown. I know you're grown. I'm not going to argue with you. I know you're grown. But if I were you, I would ask God, Lord, teach me how to live. And for all of us, all of us, no matter what your age may be, if you've never gone through anything like this before, I would ask God, Lord, teach me teach me how to live in this context teach me how to live in this reality and David is asking God to teach him how to live because David says if you don't teach me how to live if you don't give me your wisdom then my enemies are going to get the upper hand I don't want my enemies to get me David said in verse 11 teach me how to live O Lord lead me along the right path for my enemies are waiting for me 
waiting for me. Teach me. Uh, they're waiting for me. Teach me because if I make a wrong move, I play right into the enemy's hand. God, God, teach me. God, God, teach me. Lord, Lord, teach me. Teach me. I pray that in this season, you talk and act like you've had some good teaching. I, I pray that if you've been in the Lord's house, if you've been in the Lord's presence, I, I, I pray that you talk like and act like you've had some good teaching. And I just want to let everybody know the Lord will teach you. The Lord will teach you. The Lord will teach you. Lord, teach me. The Lord will teach you. Lord, teach me. The Lord will. He will teach you. He, he will teach you. And, and I've come to find out that when God is your teacher, sometimes God gives you tests. Yeah, God, he doesn't test you. He doesn't test your faith, but God, God gives tests. Now we're taught, we're taught in James not to say that when we're tempted, we're tempted of the Lord, but God does give us tests. I'm not saying God is testing you. I'm saying God gives us tests and understand. Now understand, tests, tests, uh, I think educators can bear witness that tests aren't only given to see if you've grasped the material. Tests are given as tools to help reinforce what you've been taught. So tests have a multiple, multiple, multiple uh, reasons, multiple purposes for giving us a, they are to see if we've grasped what we've been taught and to reinforce what, we, what we've been taught. God, God teaches us, uh, he teaches us and gives us tests. And didn't he teach us uh, th that we would have diverse kinds of temptations? Then if God has taught you that, let's not be surprised with all of the stuff that's going on God told us we would go through God told us we would go through all kinds of things and even in that didn't God teach us to count it all joy and if you have been taught to count it all joy what we're going through right now is a joy test it's a test if you can count it all joy so I just want to encourage anybody who's been taught to count it all joy to get to counting that if God has been good to you get to counting if God has done anything for you if God has taught you count it all joy get to counting one he woke me up this morning two he started me on my way three he allowed me to get out of bed by myself four allowed me to go to the restroom by myself and not own myself five put food on my table six put clothes on my back seven allow me to still be here even in this present moment eight made ways out of no way nine open doors no man could shut ten healed my body when I got sick eleven heard me when I called upon his name twelve blessing me over and over again thirteen bless me to take another breath 14, bless me to take another breath. 15, bless me to inhale and exhale and take another breath. And I've been taught, let everything that hath breath to praise the Lord. I wonder if there's anybody here, anybody streaming and watching me, who's ready to take a praise test. If God has put breath in your lungs, if God has taught you to praise him, if God has taught you to give him glory, I dare you right now to pass your praise test. I dare you to tell him hallelujah for how you're keeping me. Hallelujah for how you're watching over me. 
hallelujah for how you fought my battles hallelujah for how you put my enemies under my feet hallelujah for all the things you've done hallelujah for never leaving me nor forsaking me hallelujah for never hiding your face from me hallelujah for coming closer to me when I came close to you hallelujah I'm telling you don't fail the test don't fail the praise test can you lift your hands and tell him thank you can you open your mouth and give him glory can you type in the comments and tell him God I thank you if it had not been for the Lord on my side where would I be didn't he teach her not to worry didn't he teach her how to pray then I challenge you to pray and call on the name of Jesus for whosoever calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved shall be helped shall be delivered if you know he's able if you know he's keeping you if you know he's right by your side if you know he's a present help in your time of trouble go on and praise him praise him pass the test and praise him come on somebody come on somebody and give God praise I'm gonna close when I tell you ain't no doubt in my mind God is going to help us ain't no doubt in my mind God is gonna come see about us ain't no doubt in my mind God shall keep us ain't no doubt in my mind hallelujah 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 I'm gonna close with this right here be not dismayed whatever be tied God will God will I know he will God will take care of you this has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia we thank you for listening If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.